This is the Doc Talk Podcast presented by Betfred Sports 2022, episode 30. Dr. Rob, I am absolutely amazed how many people's like biological clocks are set to this podcast because we're recording on a Monday night and people were like freaking out that the pod wasn't there on Sunday night so they could listen to it on Monday morning. My, my cousin, my, my oft-mentioned cousin Matt in Ohio, I get a text this afternoon. He's like, where's my goddamn podcast I, at? I, I, you know, and, and people were tweeting at you. They were tweeting at me like, are you guys okay? Or is everybody okay? We're like, yes. I, I thought for Don't. sure we said it last week that you were going to be gone on Sunday because of a wrestling tournament. Maybe I we, thought we did. Maybe we did. I, I never listened to our own podcast. Well, why would we? When we recorded, we had to well, listen to it one other time. I've had people ask me, though, like, wait, you don't listen to yourself? I'm like, no, I don't listen to myself. <laughs> why would we listen to this again? We went through it once. I don't know if I want to listen to it again. I mean, shit, I got, I got, I'm full of great advice that I don't listen to. Well, I don't listen to myself. Well, the, the title of this podcast, and, and it's not being disrespectful, is Rob Zadisk is a bum. That's that's the name. <laughs> that Epi- was an awesome ep- episode spread. thirty is Rob Zadiska is a bum, and it started because of this uh, becoming very very popular. By the way, the Todd and Tyler Radio Empire even mentioned your report card today. Owen listens to the Todd and Tyler Radio Empire. Of course, I used to be on the Todd and Tyler Radio Empire. Well, I, t- I mean, it, I had a short lived stint. You, you had a short lived stint for both sports and well, I did like like a Husker rap. Yeah, you, you, it you, wasn't really sports. It was a quick Husker. That rap was up. when you and I first really met each other. We played kickball. Remember, yeah. we played kickball at the at old Chili Green. Yes, and that was you were still with the Giants at that time. And but uh, my son Owen listens to uh, Todd and Tyler and Mike today said uh, you're you're the only opinion that, that matters when it comes to Husker football. So he sees yeah. your report card. He well, goes, I think he knows that I'm I'd like to. St- so, I mean, both Todd and Tyler, neither one of them are from here. No. And no. I'm one of those people where I, I don't expect somebody who. If you come from I mean, well, let's take Mike, for instance, he's a Pennsylvania. Yeah. Guy. Penn State dude loves big, Penn State. Big Penn State fan. Yeah. Loves his Penn State. Loves his Steelers. Todd Todd's expect- from like North or South Dakota, but he loves Arizona State because he went there and flunked out. <laughs> but I mean, it's, <laughs> at least you can say he went there. No, but it's one of these things where I don't expect you to move here and like ditch the team that you grew up following. So I mean, I, they get a lot of flack for not for not being Husker homers, and I'm like, neither one of them's from here. It's not their team. Yeah, so. it, and it's been that way for God. I think they've been in the air thirty years now. Yeah, they're getting old. They're in their sixties. Well, and now. I don't expect you to be a Husker fan. Thank you. Though I get accused of it by Iowa fans all the time. I actually did it. I was doing my That's what Iowa. happens when you're an Iowa State fan. You See, get accused stop of being it. Stop everything. it. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. Um, but it's interesting because the, the reason the title of this podcast is called Rob Zadiska is a bum because you, re, you did your report card uh, after, the, after the Rutgers game. And, and full, here's how the report card works. Rob texts me the grades. I then get on the computer and do the graphics work, which is shitty because I'm not very good at it. <laughs> and on Saturday night, I happened to do it from Barnado out in Village Point in Omaha. I was there with, seeing a concert. 
And you text him, I'm like, well, I've got, I've got Canva on my phone. What I've realized, I have really fat fingers, and trying to move stuff around on, your, on the phone, not an easy thing to do. So I, I did the grades, but I forgot to change. You know, it still said Indiana games. I went back later on and put Rutgers and stuff like that. But Bryce Peskel, P-E-S-C-H-E-L, Bryce B-R-Y-C-E. Damn, you're calling Bryce out. Well, because it's right there on Twitter. It's not like I'm calling him out. It's right there on Twitter. He says this. Defense at a C-plus shows you only observe the final score. Uh, find another program to slander, bum. <laughs> so Rob Zadiska like, is a bum. I was like, damn, Bryce takes this shit serious. He really does. Bum. <laughs> I think we need Ray Gun to make us a shirt that just says bum on it. Well, that's the... Uh, uh, Pastor Ben, one of our other followers on Twitter, he he suggested that. Bum. Yeah, if you follow the thread down, Pat, Ben's got a he's got a thread down there or somewhere in the thread where he says that should be your next T-shirt. <laughs> Hashtag bum. I think we can make that happen. You know. Yeah. Hey, hey Rob, I just want you to know I'm, I'm a winner today. I, I was in Ashland. I was at Iron Horse Golf Course, and I placed second place in the Shemmer Tournament of Champions, and so I got you a trophy. Lost. Yeah, yeah. You, you're I, not a winner. You're, but you, I got you, a trophy. Everybody gets a trophy, right? Great, Bobby Brady. You got your trophy. Man, finally. we shot a 59. That's pretty good. Actually, that's really good. So it was a scramble. It was a scramble. We were on. Uh, we were on a roll. Did they play any of your shots? Uh, you know, I was wicked on the greens. I was. Nice. I was putting really well today. Had a couple good approach shots, but I'm. I was the old guy of the of the bunch. So my my tee shots don't go as far as everybody else. I'm looking does. at your trophy. It looks like a microphone. It, it looks like a. It does, doesn't it? Yeah, it looks like an old school microphone. You know, if we ever get the the decoration of the studio going we can have some stuff behind us and have you know have and i think owens he's ordering a neon we're gonna have a neon sign nice. down here and now you've got a major award yeah yes i i've for got g-light must be italian it looks it's a cross between a microphone a golf ball and it looks like the world cup trophy yeah it kind of does <laughs> you know a couple months ago uh darwin is that his name is that his name darwin hold on i, I probably screwed this up yeah it is uh, no darren Darren Swanson, sorry, Darren. Uh, Darren Swanson, who's uh, down, I believe, in Memphis, and I've been holding on to this. Sent us some um, some rubs and some um, some barbecue sauce from nice. Memphis. Yeah, so he I was also looking at the barbecue sauce. It yeah. looks good. Yeah, so uh, he gave uh, he sent us one of each. So you get one and I get one. Nice, and, Charlie Vergas. Yeah, I Bar- guess it's a real popular restaurant down there. I have not. My brother lives in well, suburb of Memphis. I haven't spent much time in Memphis. You're not missing much, by the way. Beale Street's pretty cool. Yeah, and everybody says the barbecue there is awesome. It's, yeah, it's all right. I mean, Kansas City's is good barbecue. And then I think they kill people in Memphis. Yeah, they do. Yeah, but New Orleans too. New Orleans is like the murder capital of the world. No, my daughter is lives there. Is it really? And Anjanette's leaving for there tomorrow. They're all they're taking a girls trip down. Oh God, New Orleans cool. Yeah, because it has good food. You can look past yeah. all the murders because it has really good food. Memphis has barbecue, and then that's kind of it. New Orleans has. Everything they got, a, they got everything, and the seafood in New Orleans is amazing. So while I was in Ashland today, I was golfing, and I look across the road, and I see this is like brand new Ashland uh, Winded Spirit Store, and I'm like, you know what? I'm going to go in there, and I'm going to grab some beer before I go home, and Rob and I can drink that tonight. Got some Keg Creek. Got some Keg Creek, which From is Iowa. out of Glenwood, Iowa. Um, we got the apricot one. Are you an apricot beer guy or not? I didn't know if you'd like it or not. You know, you can I, say no. We, I mean, they're not sponsored. In us. general, if you had asked me if I was going to pick up the Moon Gold Apricot from Keg Creek Brewing, I would say no. Okay, I, I'm not a big 
fruity beer guy. I like I mean, sours, though. I like fruited sours, but that's kind of a different animal. Yeah. I mean, it's one of those... Those things usually pack a punch, either taste-wise or alcohol content. Not always, but at least taste-wise, sours yeah. pack a punch. They're, they're not... They're not a, ooh, this is a smooth and easy drinking beer. You got to like sours. Yeah, I would agree with you on that. To, to drink yeah. sours. Um, about the only kind of like non-sour fruited beer I really like is Abita's Blueberry. Ooh. That's a good beer. And I tell you what, Abita Blueberry. That, by the way, if you're wondering where Abita's Again, from, it's, it's, New it's out of New Orleans. If you drink it straight out of the tap and not out of the bottles um, down there, it's even better. And I don't know what it is. I got this weird image in my head when you say drink it straight out of the tap of you lying like on your back on a bar <laughs> under the tap, just pouring it in. Oh, no. And you know what else is really good down there? Out of the tap, not out of the bottles or the cans, is a bead of strawberry. It, it's better than what people God, I think just it can't, is. I'd, I'd, I'd be hard-pressed to try. Th this actually isn't bad. It's not... Uh, I don't. I actually don't taste a lot of the apricot. I maybe I got COVID. I, well, you might because I, I actually taste quite a bit of it. But maybe my, it's just different can. I, I love the packaging and the marketing. You know, because it says Ashland Wine and Spirits. I mean, why do we got to put wine and spirits on it when it's just a liquor store, right? Whatever happened yeah. to just calling something old fashioned liquor store? Does it have a negative connotation for it? Maybe a little bit. Doesn't need to have a negative connotation. Because you know what people do when they go to to the wine and spirits or liquor store? Get liquor. They get liquor. I I, I, I was behind a woman. Is beer technically I, liquor? I, I'm not though? here to judge. I'm not here to judge. But I was behind a woman at the Ashland Wine and Spirit Store. She walked in, got a 40 of Coors Light, and three shooters of, of Tito's vodka. <laughs> I'm like, okay. Somebody's that, having a that, good night. That fits the stereotype. Somebody's going to have a good night. Well, yeah. Well, it could have been a bottle of Colt 45. Ooh, yeah, that's... Uh, or how about Schlitz malt liquor? Uh, yeah, yeah. That's slumming it yeah. pretty hard when you're doing that. Yeah, you yeah exactly. Yeah, you're 100% correct. Uh, Nebraska got the win over Rutgers. And you know what? Say what and you my want. my grades got panned. You know what? Actually, my grades didn't get panned. My grade for the defense got it, it did. That was what people were like, what? A little upset about. First of all, I'm, I'm going to pay a compliment here, but I'm also going to put a caveat on it, okay? Uh, never, ever apologize for a win, ever. You get a win. No, that's I a, love a win. But, but Husker fans can't come back at me for 2015 Iowa and even last year Iowa in the shitty schedule that Iowa played. <laughs> you, never, you never get to play the schedule card ever again, ever. But you shouldn't have – I mean, you, the only thing you can do is play the games that are in front of you. You don't get a pick – really, the Big Ten well, picks this there's schedule. There's a lot of – you know, if we as Husker fans thought we had some bad runs under Callahan, under Mike Riley, the brutal loss I, – again, I, I actually really liked Bo, but, I mean, some of those insane big game losses where shit just got out of hand – Um. This is kind of a weird whole new level of, wow, this is not a good football team kind of badness that we've experienced under Frost. So, I mean, I think Husker fans, I hope people are kind of learning that when they see other teams that are fans of mediocre to bad football, where it's, let me rephrase it, 
fans of teams that are playing mediocre or bad football, all of a sudden I think we're understanding what it's like. Like all of a sudden you get any win and it's like, oh, this is what it's like to get any win and be sitting there going, thank God we won a game. Exactly right, yeah, so. but, but but I remember a couple of years ago, you know, Nebraska fans were always giving me a hard time, saying, "Oh, Jesus, you know, you know, you could go undefeated too if you if you had Iowa schedule." And I get it; it wasn't it was a piece of crap schedule. I'll be the first one to tell you that, but you don't have to apologize for winning it because what you're doing what you're supposed to do. Now, that was their undefeated season. Well, right? no, it was their twelve and zero season. <laughs> they lost their last two games of the year. It was their twelve and zero. But even last year, as they went as they won ten games a year ago, it was a crap schedule. It was. It was not a great schedule. But you you shouldn't have to apologize for winning the games that are put in front of you. Yeah. And and Nebraska fans are never going to come back at me well, ever there's again. There's a lot of teams and, out there. I mean, you look at some of these SEC teams, and it's one of these. A lot of very quote unquote very good SEC yeah. teams will have like two really good games, yeah. and that's it. And then it's like Kent State. I'm just saying, yeah. And they and they gave Georgia fits. So it's you know you got to take a lot of this with a little bit of perspective here in terms of when you when you're looking around. I mean, I Notre Dame always kind of gets panned for not joining a damn conference. On the flip side, year in and year out, because they don't join a conference, yeah. their schedule I think does tend to be tougher. All of their games tend to be kind of really interesting games. Now the 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 how the West is going to be won in Nebraska still has a good shot at winning the West. I, I'll be the first one to say, based on what Nebraska has left, I'm not saying they're going to. I mean, I'm not saying they got a good chance to win the West. I think the West is bad. I mean, I kind of want to see how Nebraska does against Purdue here because I think this will this is going to be far more of a measuring stick than Rutgers or Indiana were. Um, it was interesting because I, I saw this, and, and I know Twitter is just a very small sampling, but I saw somebody today, and I was like, oh, my God, let's not start this. But somebody on Twitter said, I cannot believe Vegas is disrespecting Nebraska by having them be an 11-point underdog at at." Purdue. And with all seriousness, says, wow. can you believe they're disrespecting Nebraska like that? I'm like, well, hold on. Hold on. First of all, you've got to earn respect <laughs> back. It's just not given to you based on history. I missed this. Was this on any thread that we were on? No, I just saw it. Uh, they didn't tag us, but I follow a lot of different people on Twitter, and, and I follow because uh, of Betfred Sports. And by the way, Betfred Sports presents the Doc Talk podcast, and you can download the the great Betfred Sports app today on the Google and Apple Play stores. And when you enter the uh, the promo code Doc Talk when you're in Iowa, Arizona, or Colorado, uh, you get a twenty dollar free bet. That's Betfred Sports. Again, download the app today on the Apple and Google Play stores. But I follow a lot of you know gambling sites and and stuff like that, and. And I and people just pop up in my feed because somebody I know may like one of their tweets, and that was one of them. I'm like, you need to back up a little bit, well, son. And that's you know, and that's part of the thing. I mean, I don't know if you want to go back to the grades. Um, we can do that. Well, I mean, I think a lot of people are people are looking at Nebraska's defense right now and going, okay, well, that's we just pitched a couple of. Again, this is like calling Iowa 2015 an undefeated season. We pitched a couple of second-half shutouts. 
where, I mean, they come essentially shut out Indiana and Rutgers in the second half of those games. And everybody's like, oh, my God, our defense is back. Black shirts, baby, we're loaded. And I gave them a C plus, and all of a sudden everybody's like, the hell game were you watching? Well, one, I'd like to think, I, I don't know, I, I'm not trying to sound overly arrogant here, and I worry about that. But I'd like to think I have maybe an ever so slightly more discerning eye in terms of some of the stuff I'm looking at as opposed to the fans who do just look at the final score and go, or, or look at a stat line and go, oh, we shut them out in the second half and these turnovers and whatnot. And we stopped them and held them for just a field goal on that one drive where we gave up the big play. Anyway, there's a lot of reasons I gave Nebraska a C plus on defense. I mean, they gave up some big plays in the first half. There was poor tackling in the first half of that game. Um, I felt like Nebraska was helped hugely by penalties. I mean, Rutgers, nobody's mentioned this, but Rutgers gave up, gave Nebraska a hundred yards and penalties. And one of those penalties was, you can see it on the diagnosis on Tuesday uh, on our YouTube channel, which was a holding, which was on a scoring, what could have been a scoring drive for, for Rutgers, but that holding call was huge by bringing oh, the Yeah. It did. So, I mean, you give up 100 yards in penalties. I mean, that's the kind of stuff that haunt, has haunted Nebraska for years, is we'd have games where we'd give up, 80, 100, 120 yards and penalties to an opponent, that kind of stuff costs you games. I mean, this was a one-point win, and you gave up 100 yards and penalties. Rutgers doesn't have half those penalty yards. Rutgers has maybe only two-thirds. Let's say we, we'll give you back a th- just even a third or two-thirds of those yards, and Rutgers wins that game. So don't don't think these are little things. I mean, if we win that, if, if Rutgers wins that game, nobody's bitching about my C-plus grade for Nebraska's defense. No, they're probably going to say you're being too generous at yeah. that point. And, and the C-plus grade for Nebraska's defense, it's not like Nebraska's defense was responsible for those penalties. Rutgers was. It, it was. it was penalties all on Rutgers. So... That's one of those things that I'm sitting here going like, okay, you know, they did not. It, it was an it was a solid performance against a very bad team that spotted you a hundred yards and penalties. That was made some horrible change. I mean, made some horrible changes in my opinion at quarterback. So you, you had Simon and you had Noah Vedral, and I thought Vedral played well when he was in in the first half. Um, I thought he gave him a little bit more of a run dimension from that quarterback spot, and I think that hurt Rutgers in the second half of the game. Um, there's been a lot of talk about Vedral's injured hand or injured thumb. He had it wrapped for a good chunk of the game and how that affected him or might affect him from a passing standpoint. I understand that, but it's but still I thought the fact that you pulled Vedral hurt them just in the fact that now it, Simon's not going to run on you. Um, and I thought he also telegraphed his plays. Again, we're going to see that on one of the docs' diagnosis as well too, that 
he's a guy that he will tell you exactly where he's throwing the ball, and he had three second-half interceptions. I mean, again, I appreciate Nebraska's defense in the sense that they got three second-half interceptions, but you had a quarterback who was going to who was telling you with his eyes exactly where he was going to put that ball. Now, you want your defense to take advantage of that, and Nebraska's defense did. That's a good thing. I'm not trying to denigrate that, but I think there was several spots throughout this game, several areas of the game where Rutgers spotted Nebraska points. The penalties, the quarterback play in general, the the decision-making in terms of who to play at quarterback by Rutgers coaching staff really, really hurt those guys a lot. And that's why I gave them a C plus. Now, it, you do have to look at who Nebraska's playing in terms of giving out these grades. If Nebraska's defense pitches a shutout, and holds an opponent to minus 50 yards, but that opponent's a high school football team that they're playing in an exhibition game, it's not like you're going to give the defense an A+. And that's essentially what Rutgers was. It, it is. Well, I don't know if they're that bad. But, it's you know, if Nebraska goes out, I, I thought Indiana and Rutgers are, well, and honestly, Northwestern. Those are three of the worst teams in the Big Ten Conference right now. And, I mean, Nebraska and Kelly's league claim we're not the worst team in the Big Ten. But those are two – Indiana and Rutgers are two of the worst teams in the Big Ten. Pitching a second-half shutout against them, playing a great defensive game against them, I'm not going to hand out a fucking medal for that. Sorry, Dave, but that's just not going to happen. Or a trophy. Got that's trophy right here. Come on, trophies? Yeah. Yeah. Trophies. It's second place. It was. She ain't first, you're last. And an iron horse, not. I mean, it's a good golf course. Yeah. It it's is. not bad. That's but I got not second bad. place. Yeah. Actually, that's probably better than, well, I don't know. I haven't won a trophy since I was like 18, though. I was kind of excited. Good for you. I'm proud of you, buddy. <laughs> you go, girl. By the way, if you're listening to this on the audio uh, podcast, you can see the trophy uh, by subscribing to our YouTube channel and watch this podcast on YouTube. Which, by the way, a lot of people have been watching the podcast. It looks like a giant mic. It it looks like a microphone. You're right. It looks like a microphone in the World Cup trophy had sex. Right. Um, But anyway, it's just that's why I give them a C plus. I mean, if Nebraska does what they did against Indiana and Rutgers defensively against Purdue, does the exact same thing. I'm giving them a B. It's a different opponent. It's a better opponent. If they do that against Illinois, I'm giving them a B. If they do it against. Minnesota? I mean, Minnesota's got a, a, a decent offense if Ibrahim's playing. If Ibrahim's playing and they do it against Minnesota, I'm giving them an A-. An a-. The, the weird thing about Minnesota right now is that uh, they have like the best defense in the country. Yeah, that's what's crazy. That, that is so I, crazy. I never, yeah, I hadn't. You, you don't think of that when you think of Minnesota. Well, three of the top defenses in the country are in the Big Ten West. You have Minnesota, Illinois, and Iowa. Yeah, and you got you got one of them being wasted on 
the worst offense in the country. Oh, it, it's atrocious. <laughs> it, it, it really is atrocious. Going back to Rutgers, though, uh, Greg Schiano fired his offensive coordinator, said, screw it, we cannot go keep going like this. What do you think of – because Kirk Ferentz was asked the same thing after I was atrocious offensive, and he was offended that somebody would ask him if he'd fire his kid or not. I guess my, my question is – Well, in Indiana, didn't they fire their O-line coach yes. and run – Yes. He was also the run game yes. coordinator. Yeah. All of a sudden, firing coaches mid-season, it's a thing. What do you know. think of that? Because Nebraska started it. Uh, you know, this I've, year anyway. Well, I've seen it happen before. It's not like that's never happened, but you know, it's boy, that's tough. I mean, some of it's some of it's play, some of it's coaching, some of it's recruiting. Yeah. I, I don't know. It's that's a tough thing to have to deal with as a team. I mean, doing it in the off season's tough enough, but making those kind of changes in season. I, you know, I'm almost kind of surprised you don't see more of a, I mean, if you, like a reassignment of responsibilities. I mean, I would have loved to have seen Nebraska, like tell Tim, back when Pelini was the coach, tell Tim back, hey, by the way, you're just going to be the running backs coach now and we're going to let somebody else call plays who knows what they're doing. Um and I have seen that where you see coaches that kind of get sort of reassigned from a task standpoint. And I'm kind of surprised you don't see that as much as opposed to just anymore. You see guys just get fired. Now, you were pretty brutal, as you should be, on the offensive line, which scored a D. I don't, I don't want to talk about the, the offensive line. God, they got the tackles just got brutalized again. And you gave the running game a D minus, which and that I think has a lot to do with with the offensive line. But let's talk about Anthony Grant, right? Because here's a guy, despite a really and, and, bad... And my, my, and my, see, and that's the thing, too, is I give him a D and people are like, well, you know, Grant, it's not Grant's fault. How come you gave him a D? It's like I'm not grading Grant. I'm grading the overall... Running game. Yeah, the overall performance of the run game. I well, still think Anthony Grant's an outstanding running back. Well, let's let's use this time to talk about an individual effort, and that would be Anthony Grant, who right now stands eighth in the country in rushing at 647 yards. I mean, when was the last time Nebraska had a had a running back that's top a, ten in the? Country? I can't remember. Can you? I mean, we used to have like you used to, but we'd have two, two of them. But yeah, so now you got Grant there at number eight. Chase Brown from Illinois is number one. But Anthony Grant, eighth, he's got 647 yards. I, I, I mean, I think that speaks volumes to how good of a back he is and how good going forward, if Nebraska ever gets an offensive line, how good he could be. Yeah. No, I What do I you like about agree. him? Um, you know, a couple of things. One, he get he doesn't he's one of these guys, he doesn't do a lot of juke moves. Like he you see a lot of guys hit the hole, do a kind of a lot of stutter stepping, and then they go. When he he's he's your classic plant your foot and go. When he gets hit, you don't see him try to put a move on a guy until he gets hit. Then he puts a spin move on a guy. Yeah, I, I'm kind of tired of seeing running backs try to put a move on people before they get hit. Now he does a good job open field kind of stuff where he puts a juke move on guys, but I appreciate the fact that he gets hit. Then you see a spin move. And he always gets a couple of extra yards, but he's a strong runner. Um, he's not turnover prone, and for no. in an offense where 
you got a guy who's shouldering the load in the run game. He's not fumble prone. Watch this. He's going to have like three fumbles against <laughs> Purdue just because I said that. So, um, but, but, that's if, what, but at five yards, I mean, you're, you're talking five yards a carry. Uh, as long as he's 46. And he can catch. And he can catch. Um, the other thing I really like about him, he's he's not a bad blocker. And he's got a couple of, you know, we actually cover a chip block by him in the doc's diagnosis. We're talking about the offensive tackles and how bad the tackles play is right now. But he's got a chip block where he he lights up an edge rusher trying to help Corcoran out. And Grant just waylays the guy. I mean, he sends the guy spinning like a top back to the inside. He gets hit so hard. Um, and Corcoran's so far out of position, he still can't make the block on the guy. But anyway, it's an outstanding chip. If you want to see, I mean, this is like a Larry Centers level chip block, which if you remember Larry Centers um, and his chip blocks in the NFL from his fullback spot, that those things were a thing of beauty. Just go YouTube, search that. But his chip blocks have been outstanding. His overall blocking has been outstanding. Uh, again, when one of the offensive tackles isn't screwing it up. I know we had Ben Hart last week against Indiana that kind of botched one where Grant kind of got caught trying to figure he's, he, he was trying to figure out who Ben Hart was trying to trying to block. But his blocking is outstanding as well, too. And that's one of those things where if you're if you want to look at a guy who's going to have a chance at playing in the NFL, there, there's essentially three things running backs do. They, they run the ball, they catch the ball, they block. To be a great running back in the NFL, you only have to do two of those things really well. And the two you have to do are don't have are not running the football. If you're a running back and you can block really well and you can catch the pass, that'll get you into the NFL as a running back. Well, it's interesting because we were talking about this on, on my radio show is how I mean, if you see a guy go for 100 yards in the NFL now, you're like, holy shit, that's a hell of a day. I and, mean, that's, and that's a bonus. That's icing on the cake. It, it really is. I mean, it's just it, it is a passing game in the National Football League, and that's if you can get some run yards, good for you. But it, it, it's just if you see a running back go for 100 yards, and, I mean, back when we were kids, it's the exact opposite. Right, I mean, you, you, I mean, that's what fullbacks were for. Yeah, four fullbacks were. It was like Tom Rathman and Corey Schlesinger and Roger Craig when he played a little bit of fullback. It was your job was to catch passes and block from the fullback spot. Running backs carried the ball. Although I say that, I mean, you look at some of the great running backs over the years. Walt Walter Payton would just light dudes up with his blocking. But it's if you can block and you can catch the rock, man, you've got a job in the NFL as so, a running back, and Anthony Grant can do both. And the the guy can carry the ball. And it's, you know, probably okay, so here's the other thing. You asked what I like about Anthony yeah. Grant. Does Nebraska have a good offensive line? Horrible, no. You had the you had the guys that led the Nate that were currently leading the nation here. Can you back up to that? Yes. So, so I got Chase Brown, Illinois at eight seventy nine. Okay. Uh, guy from Pittsburgh can't say his name. Eight thirty. Uh, Blake Corm at Michigan. He's a hell of a runner. He's too. very good. Uh, Seven thirty five. Kalan uh, 
Leborn or Leborn at Marshall for 731. Brad right. Roberts at Air Force at 709. Raheem Sanders at Arkansas at 695. Deuce Vaughn at K-State. That dude, he's a lot like Darren Sproles. Okay, I said that. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, he, he torched Iowa State a little bit last week, too. He's got 661. And Anthony Grant at 647. Uh, you know why he torched Iowa State? Why? Because Matt Campbell's... Not sold on. You're not dude. sold on Matt Cam. That's not. It, well, after losing three in a row, I'm probably going to lose four in a row now by going to uh, going to Texas next week. I think he's going to drop off a lot of people's lists. I've never been. I've said that multiple times. I've never been sold on Matt Campbell. All right, keep going. Or is that it? Uh, and then uh, Dwayne McBride at UAB at six forty one. Okay. I mean, I can't speak much to Alabama, Birmingham. I can't talk much about. Oh, I mean, some of those other schools there. I mean, I, I I couldn't tell you much about the kid from Marshall. But, I mean, you go down some of those schools. You you look at Illinois. You look at Michigan. You're talking about programs that, I mean, they've got a better offensive line than Nebraska. Well, Illinois has got a better offensive line. Yeah. And Michigan definitely, definitely has a better does. offensive line. But that's the thing about Anthony Grant. If you want to know what I like about Grant – Everything he's doing, he's doing it with a subpar offensive line. You think those guys are giving him the like the holes that Quorum's got at Michigan or Chase has at Illinois? It's like hell no. No, he's he's earning every yard he gets. He does. Now, I mean, there's some plays where they get he gets some good blocking up front, but he's not getting the consistent productivity from his offensive line that most of the guys on that list are getting. He's just not. I mean, it's – and that's one of those things where if you want to know what I really like about Anthony Grant as I sit here and think about it, it is just how much of all of this is stuff that he's taking advantage – I'm not saying he's making all the holes himself, but the holes he's getting are smaller. He's not getting as good a down kind of second-level blocking from that offensive line as – the other guys on that list would be getting. Now, the passing game gets a C plus, uh, a little bit better grade than the running game. We're going to get to Casey Thompson in a bit, but uh, again, you, you've got a, a running back in the in the top ten of the country. You got a receiver who's in the top twenty, uh, or and he's sixteen. Tra- like Trey, Trey Palmer's. He's a playmaker. He is, and Vokalek, I think, is solid. He he kind of has some of these weird and explicable drops. It is kind of weird, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, he makes some huge plays. I, I mean, I like him. I actually do think he's an NFL guy. I think he's an outstanding blocker. And I think that's from a tight end standpoint, it's kind of like running back. It's one of those things that if you're a tight end and you can block, you're going to do well. You're going to go to the end. And if you have hands, that's a bonus. Yeah. So I, I, I like Vokalek a lot. I mean, the thing I still worry about him is the injury bug. He just seems a smidge fragile, but we'll see how that pans out rest of the season. Uh, but I mean, it's the, the passing game on the whole is just for me. It was a con, it was a consistency thing. And here's the other thing: offensive line plays into the passing game in the same sense that it plays into the run game. So when I'm grading passing game, when I'm grading running game, it's an O line grade. I'm not just grading how did Anthony Grant do and what were Anthony Grant's stats. Anthony Grant can go for 200 yards, but if every hole he makes is completely by himself and Nebraska can't 
consistently control the line of scrimmage. Like, let's say Anthony Grant gets lucky, makes holes for himself, and has five 30-yard touchdown runs during a game. I'm not giving the running game an A-plus solely because of that. If he gets stuffed for a two-yard loss on his other 15 carries. I mean, it's just that, I mean, that's a net, what, 120 yards of my, I mean, you get five touchdowns and 120 yards rushing. But like I said, it's, it's how that all plays out and, and where that's coming from. So everybody's getting graded on these. So when I look at the It reminds me like the old Iowa State days when Troy Davis played there. Remember Troy Davis? Oh, God, 2,000 yards, like seven seasons in a row. But he had like zero offensive line. Yeah. I, I, I mean, he that was all individual effort. I do kind of wonder how he would have done in the NFL. I don't think he. I don't think anybody gave him a chance. No, it, it, I think si, he was. He, that's back when his si, size kind of mattered. I think they they, they didn't yeah. think it, uh, it's hard to look at you. Um, but yeah, so I'm grading the offensive line in the passing game here as well too. And Nebraska's offensive line pass blocking leads to an inconsistency in the passing game also. Well, and that leads us into, I want you to talk a, a little bit about Casey Thompson because I'm starting to think he's one tough son of a bitch. I, I mean, that dude's on his back all the time. And I, I know he took the offensive line out for dinner last week. We talk about it on the, on the diagnosis this week. Man, they ought to be taking him out for dinner. And, and they bu- really should because be at this point. Th- that dude... Yeah, I that mean, was like a cry for help from Casey. It really like, was. Guys, help me out. Again. But but I mean, if he had time, if he had legitimate time, and he does have some plays. I mean, it's I think they do some stuff where where they kind of change the scheme up a little bit. Like it, but like I said, I mean, there's there's a play we do the doc's diagnosis on where they've been doing a fairly good job of putting some extra blockers in there, whether it's Vokalek. At tight end, where they leave, have Anthony Grant doing a chip block on the edge rushers to really help those guys out. But you are seeing more consistently. I mean, the last two weeks, you've seen both Indiana and Rutgers really go after Nebraska's offensive tackles. And it's very basic pass rushes. It's not like they're bringing weird blitzes to get to the quarterback, it's some basic end tackle, tackle in stunts. It's some basic speed rushes up the field. Um, Nebraska's offensive tackles currently are having a lot of trouble hanging in there against very basic bread and butter pass rushes. And it's teams are getting to Casey Thompson with four guys, sometimes five guys. It doesn't take much to get to him. And that's what's that's what's really scary here. But um, it's no, the guy's tougher in hell. I mean, he's taking a lot of hits. I do worry about him from a, uh, I, I mean, just a wear and tear standpoint. But this is one of those things where you look at like uh, Adrian Martinez the previous four seasons. The guy Adrian took a lot of hits. Now, part of the reason is because I think he was asked to carry the to really shoulder the load in the run game for Nebraska. And it doesn't matter whether those hits are coming on a pass play or a run game. Hits are hits, and it wears on you. And I I always thought Adrian was actually a really tough kid. I always had a ton of respect for him. I appreciate what he's able to do and what he's doing down at Kansas State right now. Um, 
but I mean, Casey Thompson's now going through that. This is one of those things where when you look at that in the, in the passing game, he's kind of taken a ton of hits. The, the one difference right now and where I see maybe a, like a little bit of a small bright spot is the fact that Adrian kind of had to shoulder the load in the passing game. He had to shoulder the load in the running game. The saving grace is, is Casey. You don't have to rely on Casey Thompson for a run offense right now. And, and Nebraska, that's if they're going to have a chance against Illinois and Purdue and Minnesota and Iowa, so on and so forth, it's going to be because they've got a little bit of a run game here. Hey, a quick reminder that uh, if you need a lawyer, uh, Connor Orr at Orr, Horgan, and Flinte is the guy to call. He's... Uh, He's a litigator. He's an NIL expert. He's a sports agent. Uh, he can do it all. In fact, the firm can do it all. Uh, you can reach him at Connor at OHFLaw.com. That's Connor at OHFLaw.com or give him a call at 402-408-6488. Uh, Connor will be on the podcast again coming up probably in the next couple of weeks. We need to get down to uh, to Crosstrain and do another live. Yeah, we do. We, we need to do another live there's one. There's nothing ever wrong with a live <clears throat> No, we, we like going live and there's nothing wrong with, uh, with drinking beer. Also, when you need some gear, you go to Husker Hounds. Scotty down at Husker Hounds, he was tweeting. Well, he was giving you shit yesterday about uh, uh, about Florida State, <laughs> a little bit. Yeah, he, he every once in a while, Scott is oh, one of these guys who who, who who works his tail off. He, he's you know he's he, he just looks flustered all the time because he's living in a retail shop. God bless him, he's an entrepreneur. Uh, but every once in a while, he comes out and just sends a little smart ass uh, 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 a text, and I just I get a chuckle out of it. Oh, killing me. I know, I know. I'm looking for a college team. I can, I mean. My Michigan State Spartans suck this year, and they're stuck with a hundred million dollar contract with that dude. Yeah, that was a that was a dumb move. I get why you do it because yeah, but I mean, and after last season, I mean, it's I get why, but I mean, man, things can look really shiny after one year and look pretty dull after another. Yeah, so that's that's going to be interesting to see how that happens. I mean. It, Truth be told, though, I mean, if you look at if you look at Mel Tucker, there's not a ton of really great track record in terms of consistency. I mean, you look at his time at Colorado. I mean, the one thing he's done is he, he beats Michigan. That game hasn't happened yet this year, but we'll see how that pans out. Uh, but yeah, no, that's it, it's been a rough year for the Spartan fans. So up next for Nebraska is going to be Purdue. The Boilermakers have won three straight. They've lost two games on the year, losing to Penn State and to Syracuse, which uh, if I'm undefeated. not... Undefeated. Yeah, Syracuse is unbeaten at 5-0. and uh, Penn State is also unbeaten. So and, and they lost to Penn State in the first game of the year. That was a 35-31 game. Lost to Syracuse 32-29. Now they've won uh, three in a row. Narrow win over Florida Atlantic. Uh, then they beat. Uh, they won at Minnesota and won at Maryland. Those are pretty good wins, right? I'm kind of well, and that's the thing. Why I, I made the point that hey, listen, if Nebraska's defense does what they did to Rutgers and Indiana, if they do that to Purdue, that's why I said all of a sudden that grade is no longer a C plus. That's popping up to a B or a B plus, depending on how just kind of how Purdue passes the eyeball test when you're actually looking at them in real time. So uh, Purdue averaging 32.5 points per game. 
119 yards on the ground game, 300 uh, passing yards. So they're going to throw, try to throw the football all over the place. What's the what's the rushing average? Uh, 119, which isn't bad. That's not bad. I mean, this, that's that's kind of your classic yeah. pro-style offense-type numbers right there. Get your 100 yards rushing, pass the rest of the way, and there you go. So, you, you know, the, the, the guy they're going to have to stop is, is Charlie Jones. Charlie Jones was a return specialist for Iowa last year. Uh, was not moving up in the receiving area because well, you, had Arl, you have Arlen Bruce, you've got Keegan Johnson, uh, and he just wasn't moving up the depth chart. So Guess he, what he probably would be doing if he'd stayed at Iowa this year. Yeah, I mean, well, Char, I mean, Charlie well, Jones. Well, let me put it, never mind. He he wouldn't have a quarterback throw him no, the ball at no, Iowa. He, he wouldn't, yeah, that, that, that's 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 for sure. Uh, you got a quarterback that's that's pretty decent. Um only fight you got 10 10 10 10 okay this is Aiden a stupid O'Connell. question and i probably it if i wasn't hanging out in iowa city this yeah. weekend what no nothing i'm impressed for you drinking the apricot gold it's like 1.7 percent alcohol by volume yeah I, I, okay i realized looking at the label here <laughs> like we're literally drinking apricot juice Joe, you were hanging out in Iowa City this week. No, it's I, I probably would have been paying more attention to Purdue in terms of how good they are. Well, I shouldn't say how good they are. Who the actual players are. Who's their quarterback? Uh, Aiden O'Connell. Did he start last year? I think he did. I should know that, but I don't know that. I'm going to show my my error in my ignorance here. I think the last time I actually watched Purdue play in person, the last two games I watched Purdue play, not in person, but watched them on TV, like actually sat and watched a game, was the Nebraska game last year and the Iowa game last year. Yeah, it's not like you you make it's not like you go, hey, we need to watch Purdue. That nobody ever says that unless you went to Purdue. You have no reason to say. No, or I mean, if you're, I mean, if you're a Big Ten guy, I mean, there's plenty of opportunities. Uh, Aiden O'Connell's a six-year guy. A lot of six-year guys. Okay, that bodes poorly for Nebraska. Applied data analytics is his major. It's kind of the way the world's going right now. Yeah. No, I mean, you look at what Nebraska did last year on defense with a bunch of sixth-year seniors. I mean that. Made a huge difference. Uh, guys could actually execute Shenander's defense if they had that sixth year. Uh, yeah, he was a uh, second team All Big Ten last year as quarterback. Okay, so. shit, I should remember, but don't because you know why? I, I, pur- I think you've purged that Iowa game <laughs> from your memory because I did watch that. That was my son's recruiting trip to Grandview. We were sitting at the Hell Bait Shop watching the Iowa Purdue game. Hell Bait Shop, two hundred and sixty beers on tap. They the were Hell all Bait delicious. Shop. Food was solid too. Yeah, we didn't make it over to was it the the Miller High Life Lounge? Yeah, we did not. Which in hindsight, I, I should have gone over there and experienced the shake. Everybody goes, you know how how do you get away with calling it the Miller High Life Lounge? Isn't that some kind of they sell more at Miller High Life than any other bar in the country? So Miller is just fine with them calling it the Miller High Life Lounge. There, there has not been a cease and desist order <laughs> no. for that one. They're like, oh, you sell how much Miller High Life? You can call that lounge whatever you want. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> if I went to the Miller High Life Lounge, I probably would order a couple of Miller High Lives. So do you think the 11 points, it started at like 13 or 14, it's dropped down to 11. Do you think that's fair? I don't think it's disrespectful to Nebraska. 
when I saw, and this leads us I, back well, to the original comment. You, if you think you're getting disrespected by being a double digit underdog, you got to earn. You got to earn respect. To the second team All Big Ten quarterback, yeah, no. And to a defense that has actually done some damage over the last few years, so yeah, I. I I kind of go back and forth on Jeff Brom. Is it Brom or Brom? It's Brom. Brom. I go back and forth over Brom as a head coach. I every time I th- yeah, like right now I I'm, I'm kind of high on him, and every time I start thinking, God, this guy's a pretty damn good coach. They go and have a they go and do something that lets me down. But um, I mean, no, I do not think it's disrespectful because again, I'm the guy who gave Nebraska's defense a C plus. I mean, Purdue's – if Nebraska has some hope here, it's not like Purdue's defense is a world beater here, okay? They're giving up uh, – let's see, 327 a game? That's total. That's total. I mean, in this day and age, that's not horrible. What's what's the breakdown on uh, 96 rushing, 230 passing. Okay, so, I mean – I know it's close, but technically you're holding opponents to less than 100 yards rush True. per game. They've only given up three rushing TDs all, all year. Yeah, that's pretty good. So, I mean, this is, I mean, once when Nebraska got past Oklahoma, which, God, I'd love to play Oklahoma again, the uh, – I think everybody's lining up to play Oklahoma right now. Holy shit. There's, I mean, that that's a – I, I don't know. I'll be interested to see how that all pans out. But it's uh And I and I get that Lincoln Riley took like everybody, right? I yeah. mean God, we, we were talking about this in the whole text thread with Scott. The uh but yeah, he took everybody in the recruiting class that he's got coming in is yeah. outstanding. So I mean I think they'll do okay because I mean I think they lost a ton at the same time. Um you got a little bit of a different system. Guys are going to have to get used to that. You got guys who probably are sitting there trying to, in their head, trying to think like the Lincoln Riley system when they're trying to learn the Brett Venable system. It's it's a change, and, and sometimes you can't rely on athletic ability forever. And I think Oklahoma did that for the first few games, and now they've got to actually strap it up and play football cohesively as a team, and that's not always easy to do, especially when you've got a first-year head coach. I, I do think this will be, and going back to the Purdue game, y- you're right when it comes to the grades to the defense. This is the yardstick. Th- this is the yardstick. Th- this is finally a team you can measure up against and go, okay, um, where where do you sit? So here here's the thing. I'll, I'll tell you what I think. How do you think Nebraska does? Um, I actually I think that's a, that's a good question. I'm almost borderline – Tempted to say they win, but I'm not. I I can't. I trust think this them. is. This, I think. I, I think most fans have kind of looked at the Oklahoma game and said, "Okay, we're throwing that out." Yeah. Week after Scott got fired, we're dumping that. Indiana Rutgers. That's where Nebraska's at right now. I think we get kind of brought back down to earth a little bit by Purdue. Double digit loss. I mean, they're sitting at an eleven point favorite. Yeah, um, I'm gonna say yeah. Wow, I, I just it's it's one of those things. I actually think this might be the best defense Nebraska plays. 
No, no, no. Well, I mean, it, it has. Pl- I'm sorry, has played up. To uh, this uh, okay, because I was going to say you got Illinois coming up, you got Minnesota coming yeah, up. No, those, those are not good the, defense. Not the best defense they play. Okay. I think, I think top to bottom. Now that we've had a chance to see teams, this might be the best overall team that Nebraska has played up to this point in the season. And I think they're a better team than Oklahoma. I think shit got out of hand in the Oklahoma game. And I am more than willing to throw that one out. I, I don't have a problem dumping that one and saying, okay, here's the one-off. You just fired Scott. Mickey took over. You got all these emotions. You've got this emotional high coming into the game. And then Oklahoma does one thing right and everything sort of tanks. Dylan Gabriel goes on whatever that was, that 60-yard touchdown run. where guys, I mean, there were guys not even trying to tackle him. So it's I, I'm perfectly willing. Let, let's throw out the Oklahoma game. Okay. And I thought Oklahoma, in terms of just pure athleticism, might be one of the most athletic teams Nebraska plays all year. They just, I mean, Oklahoma doesn't have their shit together right now yeah. in, in any way, shape, or form. So that's the one-off. You look at all the other teams Nebraska's played at this point, I think Purdue's the best team i think they're playing the best team football right now you look at their two losses it's close losses i mean we're talking field goals with yeah. those games for for purdue penn state's a pretty good football team top 10 well, i'm sorry that was a four point loss correct that was 31 35 loss and same with syracuse and syracuse i thought was a two point yeah so 30 no it was 35 31 was Syracuse? It, it, no, it was Penn State, and okay. Syracuse was thirty-two twenty-nine. There's your field. okay. So a three-point loss. So that that's two two losses, eight points combined to two undefeated teams. Those are pretty good teams, and you lost to them by less than a touchdown each. And then you beat Minnesota at Minnesota. Yeah, don't don't tell me Purdue's not a solid football team. I'm not saying they're great. But I agree with you. I think Purdue wins the Big Ten West right now. Really? I'm just saying, if you look at the way... Oh, they've got the tiebreaker over Minnesota. Yeah. I mean, look, okay, you think Wisconsin's going to rebound and have an awesome season? It'd be interesting. Uh, They kind of changed up their offense a little bit. Uh, They got a hell of a running back. It'd be interesting to see what happens with Wisconsin, if Jim Leonard can turn that around. And I love I mean, Leonard. Listen, I think Jim, Jim Leonard's if, a hell if Mickey of a Joseph coach. can turn around Nebraska, Jim Leonard can turn around Wisconsin. So you're saying M- Mickey's turned Nebraska around? I, no, but he's won two games. I think Mickey's polishing shit right now, and that's not easy to do. Wow. I'm just saying they're not a very good football team. I'm going to take at, some serious Look at me fl- being the ta- positive I'm one. I'm going to take here. some serious flack for this. I'm just. And they could legitimately, I mean, the ball bounces right. They could go six and six, five and seven. And I think that would be if Nebraska goes five and seven, that's a massive win in my book. You've taken some incredibly difficult circumstances and won. I think a lot of people are thinking seven wins right now. Now I think that's hard to get to. I think I think seven's gonna be kind of tough. Um Six would be reason to dance in the street. Not going to give Mickey yeah. the job, though. No. But that's the thing that's interesting is what if he goes six and six and goes to a bowl game? Nebraska historically, I mean, 
You you look at Pelini, you look I mean, God, you you look at Callahan, you look at Pelini, you look at even fucking Mike Riley. God, he took a he took a was it a five and seven team to a bowl game yeah. and knocked off UCLA in California to finish six and seven. We're like, oh my God, Mike Riley's actually a really good coach. Look what we did in this bowl game. So I Nebraska does okay in bowl games. What if they go six and six? Go to a bowl game and win it and finish seven and six. No. Because if Scott had done that, we'd all be sitting here going, okay, we did this revamp with the coaching staff in the offseason, Scott, and you went seven and six. That was kind now, I didn't say this, but a lot of people said six and six or seven and five, Scott keeps his job. I don't think that would happen. I'm saying that's what a lot of people said going into the season. Again, I'm the guy who, when Trev Albert said Nebraska, like when Trev Alberts was asked at Big Ten Media Days and Trev said, Trev was asked, hey, what's the number? What does Scott have to do to keep his job? And Trev's response was, this isn't tied to a number. And 90% of Nebraska fans were sitting there going, oh, we could go six and six or maybe even five and seven, and Scott may not lose his job. And I'm the guy sitting there going, Scott could go six and six or seven and five and still lose his job. And I think that would have been more likely. Yeah, and that's what did fucking happen. I mean, it looked like shit and that happened. He he was done after the Northwestern game. Yes, I totally believe that. Yes, he was done 100%. after the Northwestern. Didn't matter. I, I, I just, yeah. I mean, beating North Dakota was that's a moot point. Yeah, it, it was an FCS school. It, it didn't matter at all. Georgia yeah. Southern was the okay. We got to pull the trigger now. What happened against Oklahoma was going to happen against Oklahoma, no matter. What. Yeah, I would. I, I agree with you with that. I think that happens whether they, they fired Scott that yeah. that previous week or not. So, well, Matt Rule got fired by the Carolina Panthers today. There is a guy who just went to the top of the, everybody's, not the, not not Trev's list, but everybody else's discussion. I mean, Matt Rule will be coaching college football next year. He's one. So, I mean, he, he can be at Georgia Tech. Yeah, I I thought he was he was great at Baylor. He was great at Temple. Temple. Yeah. Some guys, some people like to see if they can perform at the at the highest level uh, and, and I, go to the National Football I League. I always, always, always wonder about the guys who do very well as a college coach and think they're going to take it to that next level. I mean, I can think of one guy off the top of my head who it worked for, and that was Pete Carroll. And I say that within the last 20 years. And, and by the way, Pete Carroll was – kind of a failure of an NFL coach before he took the USC job. I mean, he, I, I don't want, I'll never call a guy a failure. He was, he was very mediocre. Yeah. Got the USC job, became a star and did, yeah. and did just fine at the Seahawks. There's, there's circumstances matter a lot at whether it's college or NFL. I mean, look at Bill Belichick. I mean, because it's even one of those things with the Patriots where you can say it's like, okay, well, without Tom Brady, how good is he? Well, God, he did pretty damn well with Jimmy Garoppolo, too, and Brady tore his ACL, and Garoppolo started that season, sent Garoppolo to the Pro Bowl. So 
it's circumstances matter a lot in the NFL, but I don't think Matt Rule's an NFL coach. Spurrier tried it. Nick Saban tried it and fell flat on his face. Do you think Matt Rule is a candidate for the Nebraska job? I think it's hard to discount him as a potential. Do you think Husker fans would like Matt Rule as a head coach? I uh if he does at Nebraska what he did at Baylor, I think they fucking love his ass. Do you think they'd like Bill O'Brien as a coach? So I I so here's the thing. Let's talk about Bill O'Brien for a second. So I was always kind of a Bill O'Brien fan because I looked at what he did at Penn State, and that was just a horrific situation to come into and try and do anything. Yeah. Okay, I used the phrase polishing shit a little bit ago in reference to Nebraska, and I think that's what Mickey's trying to do. That that was really polishing shit at Penn State is what is what Bill O'Brien did. It, it's I what could, Matt Rule did at, at Baylor. I cannot think – well, actually, you know what? That's a great point. Yeah. I, I mean, take any coach who tried to come into SMU after the death penalty. Look at – I mean, the stuff at Baylor, which honestly – I would say what happened at Penn State and what happened at Baylor, I mean, honestly, in terms of the downfalls of those programs was far worse than what – I mean, at SMU, everything that happened that got SMU the death penalty is 100% fucking, sorry, Dave, legal now in college football. It's crazy, isn't it? It's insane. Absolutely crazy. I watch – I'm watching Dr. Pepper commercials with the current quarterback from Alabama. <laughs> like, for some reason, it took me. I had to watch that commercial like three times before it finally clicked. I felt like, wait a sec, that's Bryce Young. Yeah. That's actually Alabama's current quarterback. Yes, it was doing, like the, doing a Dr. Pepper commercial it was, it was for the, the Heisman House. Or it no, was for like Fansville. Third, it was the third time I watched it when all of a sudden I was like, holy shit, how much do you think he's getting paid for that? That that commercial alone oh or just just by dr pepper in general over i would say over 100 grand that's it well i'm just taking a stab at it i mean i don't know 100 250 half a million i don't know i mean if you're gonna sit there and run it all season long yeah there there's a lot of money hopefully they negotiated a potential like a percentage like a percentage of airtime or whatever but anyway um those were horrific situations to take over at Baylor and Penn State. I mean, just mind-blowingly yeah. so. Those guys did, I mean, outstanding jobs. I think you like Matt Rule far more than you like Bill O'Brien. I would agree with you on that. And, and part of the reason I say that is that, I mean, I, I'm i not as much of an NFL guy as a lot of people are. I like my Giants. I like my experience with it. I don't follow NFL football as much as a lot of people do. And I'm saying just purely from a fan standpoint, the people who are NFL fans, especially AFC fans, uh, Houston Texans fans, oh my God, they did. I mean, people on a personal level did not like Bill O'Brien. Now, it worked at Penn State. Actually, I mean, he was okay at Houston for, for a while. Um, most people said he just he coached angry. He was one of these rip you a new one, old school guys who I mean almost Pelini esque. 
You know, I got a buddy who's a big AFC NFL fan. He's a Chiefs guy, follows the AFC. That That's his bag. And he said, he goes, if you followed the Houston Texans and watched them and really paid attention to Bill O'Brien, they said he, he's like the, the, the sideline demeanor of Polini spitting in Martinez, Taylor Martinez's face during the Texas A&M game. They said Bill O'Brien's that, but worse. Interesting. That's so crazy. I, now, like I said, I haven't followed the guy that much. I know what he did at Penn State. And it was nothing short of a damn miracle that he had them playing as well as they did. And he had them playing Penn State's brand of football, which at the time was good rushing game, passing game to the tight ends, and really solid defense. So he kind of stuck to the culture of Penn State, had them playing good, solid football within a season. I, I mean, I, I remember at the time thinking, like, how the hell is this happening? This should have been like an SMU-like effect where these guys were just – Penn State should have, been, should have been just decimated as a program for years, and they weren't. And it was because of Bill O'Brien. So I think the guy's got some ability to coach, but I think just as a person, it's not something Nebraskans are going to want in Lincoln. Uh, and, and the big groundswell now is that with every game that he wins, people are, are getting behind Mickey Joseph, and I get it. I still think Trev we've got, Alberts. We've is, got two game, two wins, yep. and it was over arguably the two worst Big Ten teams on the schedule. I still think Trev Alberts has the ability, and I don't know, maybe I'm wrong, to pull off like uh, you know a Lincoln Riley type of surprise, like go wow, I didn't see that happening. Actually, I'm convinced because. We got a pool at work where we've got like, okay, a list of, it's like 14 coaches, 12 coaches, something like that. And it's, it's five of us all in this little pool and everybody gets three coaches. So who do you have? Who, who are your coaches? Um, I think I got Calhoun at Air Force. Okay. His name um, came up today with somebody I know who, who knows Trev well, who said yeah. that uh, Trev was high on Troy Calhoun eight, nine years ago. And I and that I we had I'd heard that rumor a couple times yeah. before. I don't know how much truth there is to it. I think I got Dornan from NC State as well. Really? Is, is who who was in like my picks in the pool? And there's a third one. I don't even remember who, but I mean it'd be know. interesting. I I still think like a Mike Gundy out of nowhere, Mike Gundy. Mike's one of those guys. So Oklahoma State's one of the, those programs where I look at the money they have. There's a lot of money there. Yeah, T. Boone's T- dead, T- but he's dead. I know, but God, they had so much money over the years. But let me that. tell you yeah. why Why I think this. The Big 12's changing. Bedlam's goes away. The Big 12. Yeah, is, I mean, Bed, Bedlam's going the route of yeah. where the Oklahoma-Nebraska yeah. game went. Although Bedlam... To Oklahoma people, OU and OSU people, Bedlam was a bigger deal than the Nebraska-Oklahoma. Yeah, Oklahoma. so Bedlam goes away. You're bringing in some teams that maybe the concerts isn't as strong as it once was. And you go, now maybe the time to, to make a jump. I, you might have a better shot at winning a national title in Lincoln than, than, than Oklahoma State. I don't know. I just For some reason... I just, my, my thing is with, with Gundy is I look at Gundy and he, in my opinion, is who... He actually is 
who Iowa State fans and Matt Campbell apologists think Matt Campbell is. He actually is going to go out there and he's going to get you. Matt Campbell is going to get you. Has he had a nine-win season? Uh, with a bowl, so. with a bowl win, I believe so. I'll have to go look, but I think he had one with a bowl win. Pull this up for us while while I'm talking here. So Matt Campbell's one of these guys. He's going to get you seven, eight wins. He's going to get you that one or maybe even two like holy shit upsets in a season. But then he's going to lose to he's going to lose a couple of those. Like how the hell did we? We just beat Texas. How did we lose to these guys? We just beat a good Oklahoma team. How did we lose to these guys? That's Matt Campbell, and it's just... I was wrong. Uh, yeah, no, he had 9-3 uh, and three in 2020. Okay. <laughs> Which one of those was over Drake, if I'm not mistaken? Uh, and then they won the Fiesta Bowl that year, too. Was that against Oregon? I think it was. Yeah. Okay. Yep. It's So, I mean... I'm not saying Matt Campbell's not a good coach, but he's one of those guys that I think people think of him in a slightly higher light than he's actually achieved. Because because he's done it at Iowa State. I mean, he had a nine win season at Iowa I, State. I get it. I look at I look at Gundy and I think he's slightly better than that because Gundy's the guy who does have some nine, ten, eleven win seasons. You've got some guys who you've got a guy who truly has competed for some conference championships. But at the same time, too, I look at Gundy and go like, okay, here's a guy who recruits Oklahoma and Texas. And he just against some horrible Texas schools. And I'm including University of Texas in this mix. Against some some Texas schools in Texas that have not performed as well as they should have. He still hasn't he hasn't gotten Oklahoma State to that next level. He's at that 9-10 win level. You, you would think at some point when you look at the NFL guys that he's churned out, some of the quarterbacks he's churned out, the old linemen he's churned out, at some point, how has he not gotten them to that next jump up? Um, and that's the thing I look at where they've got great facilities. You've got a, you, the location's fine. It's not like anybody sits around and goes like, God, still water. I mean, it's just, it's, it's the metropolis. No, but you got <laughs> Oklahoma City right there. And actually, if you like, if you like your southern Midwestern college towns, I always really loved the road trip to, to Okie State. We, that was a great road trip. We always enjoyed it. I liked the school, the campus, the facilities were gr- awesome. The fans there were solid. Um, but I always kind of wondered why, I mean, like, I mean, Pat Jones would get Hartley Dykes. He would get uh, Thurman Thomas. He would he would shit. He would get Mike Gundy. Yeah. Um, Barry Sanders, Barry Sanders. I mean, God, he had some great players over the years there. Uh, Oh, who's the great defensive end for the Redskins? Dexter Manley. Manley was an Okie state was, was an Oklahoma state cowboy. I mean, he had some outstanding players that came through there over the years. He would get these NFL guys. He could just nobody has ever been able to get him over that next level, including Mike Gundy. And that's kind of why I just I, 
I don't know. He he's he's like a slightly better version of Matt Campbell in my opinion. <laughs> a slightly better version than Matt of Campbell. Matt Campbell. I I think at the end of the day, with and, and honestly, I mean, if you want to make the argument, you could probably make the argument Matt Campbell's better because he's had far less to work with than Gundy has. Gundy can go down to go down into Texas and grab all those kids who don't go to UT and OU and say, come here and let's go beat OU yeah. and UT, and he does it on occasion. I, I look at it this way. So that's why I just – sorry, I went on no, a rant. No, that's and that's why fine. I don't think it's going to be my Tre- gun. Treb won the press conference brilliantly, right? Won the press conference brilliantly saying, hey, if you hear I talk to somebody, I'm going to talk to a lot of people. Truth is, we haven't heard really anything. Yeah. well, And, and, and I truly think it's one of these – we're all going to be wrong. Absolutely. I, no, I don't disagree with you. And I shouldn't say we're all going to be wrong. It would not surprise me if it's one of these, I'm going to call it understated guys, like a Calhoun. I mean, I still got these thoughts that I think, like, I feel like I'm I'm one of the few guys who's thrown Munkin out there. Yeah. Well, it, time will tell. Mickey can still win this thing. I, I think it's going to be hard. Even I, I just think it's going to be hard. But, I mean, that's why I say with Mickey, I say it gets hard. If he goes 6-6, yeah. six and six, which that's three more wins. They get three more wins, they're 6-6. Six and six. He, he, he definitely has the fan support right now. Yeah. And, and he'll keep that for a and while. That's he, he, deserved. He, I, I, absolutely. I do think he's coaching light. I mean, he's coaching his ass off right now and doing an outstanding job. But he's doing it. it in a rah-rah way just to make sure everybody's motivated and make sure they feel loved, right? I mean, it's... But guy, yeah, but I mean, some of the stuff that, that I'm seeing, I think it goes beyond just motivation. Okay. I do think the defense is doing some very good things. I, whatever Bill Bush or Mickey and Bill Bush are doing on that defense, they're doing some good things. I, I mean, it's I'm not saying it's A-plus material. I'm not saying it's B material. I, but they're doing some good things on that defense that are fairly impressive. He's done some good things otherwise during the course of these last two games. You've got two games they've won that I think Scott Frost loses. I think they I truly think they lose to Indiana. Wow. Frost is the head coach. Uh, you were, you, you're not the they first person to say that. They definitely lose to Rutgers. I mean, you're, you're going to come come from two scores down to win in the second half. When has Nebraska done that? Uh, that's that's fair. Under Scott. They just don't on the road in a tough situation, you're gonna come from two scores down, and oh, by the way, your defense is gonna have to make a play to do it. That's 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 a fair point. So it's there's good things they're doing. I'm just saying on the whole, in terms of the quality of players, in terms of some key position groups that you need to have playing good football, they just don't have all the tools in the toolbox. They don't have an offensive line in the toolbox no. right now. Like, I mean, there's part of me. I made some comment to you, and I can't remember if it was Saturday when we recorded the doc's diagnosis or if it was last week it was off camera and off microphone. Part of me actually almost kind of wonders, as bad as what I'm seeing out of certain players on that O-line, if maybe Donovan Riola might be doing an amazing job. 
It's just the guys he's got are truly that. Yeah, I think you bad. actually said that on Saturday's recording. Okay. The, uh, the diagnosis. Yeah, yeah I, I kind of wonder if, like, part of me is almost sitting here going like, shit, maybe he, he's literally, like, kicking, kicking ass. He just has nothing to work with. Would you? Uh, I think this happened after we recorded last week. But uh, Matt Davison no longer on the radio. He's going to go run. He, his his new NIL is going to absorb ABM. This is a weird stuff going around. Yeah, but I mean, if you look at a lot of the background well, of this, listen, does I'm this surprised surprise you. That, it surprises me that Trev Albert still wants Matt Davison to be part of the part of this. I don't know if Trev has much of an official say over this once it gets to the NIL side. Oh, I think you you can influence who your players go do NIL deals I, with. No, I get that, but here's the thing. I mean, I I've always gotten along great with Jared. He he was good with us bringing yeah. bringing Luke and Nick yeah. up. Jared came on the show, chatted with us, was very frank about how the NIL stuff's yep. working um, and what that system is. And that was an amazing podcast. It was. People, again, it's some of our best podcasts, I also think, are some of the least listened to ones. People <laughs> ought to go back and listen to that podcast. Yeah. But here's the thing. you can't. Jared was, Jared was a Scott Frost guy hometown buddy of Scott. He was Scott's basic. I think they had him titled as chief of staff at U at UCF followed Scott back up to Lincoln was his chief of staff, basically like essentially an executive administrative assistant, sort of basically an associate AD for football to work directly with the head coach. Um, and that was a position that Trev came in and was just like, yeah, this position's no longer going to exist. Jared moves on, gets ABM up and running. And I look at the same kind of thing with Davison. Um, I have a hard time believing, again, I could be totally wrong when I say this. I have a hard time believing that Matt Davison and Trev are on great terms. Because I think Trev came into that athletic department, took a look around, and was just like, I don't I don't know what nine-tenths of these people are doing here. And, and are you start, a bad influence on your head coach? Exactly, and started cleaning house. And I think when I look at Davison, why I, I get the whole you're no longer an assistant AD or whatever that actual position was that Davison held. I'm not talking about the broadcast stuff, but he held, I, I think, what essentially amounted to like an, an assistant AD's position. In, in charge of football. like Yeah. It was sort of the Steve Peterson under Bill Byrne position yeah. in, in the early mid-90s. Because he cut the deal with Moose because he, he's the one who talked Matt into cut. Exactly. Or, or talk, he was, one of the key, he was one of the key players yeah. in that, and I totally get that. But that's one of those things where this wasn't just he got removed from that. He got removed from the broadcast thing. Well, I think he stepped down. I think it was like, I'm going to go. I don't think he but was removed. But a week prior, he was doing it. A week later, he's not. Because well, he's going to go work for the, NI, for the NIL thing. You can, Okay, why would you leave an incredibly visible public 
position when your job is to fucking raise money from the public? Um, there might be a conflict of interest there. Well, it's a, yeah, but when has that ever when has that ever stopped anything within the state of Nebraska? With okay, you might be right. You might be onto something. I, I I'm not I I'm not gonna I'm not gonna argue the point that you may be right on that. Yeah, I'm just saying that's never stopped anything no. before. Matter of fact, it would probably be good to have that person be on the radio. Yeah, I, like I, I'm sitting here going like, okay, if you really want this to be good, keep them there. Now, I do understand if you're going to go do the NIL thing, and, and there might be a hard court because that broadcast position is as, I, correct me if I'm wrong, you might know this better than me, Matt and Greg Sharp would be would essentially be uh, their subcontracted employees to the university. I bu- I believe is I, that how I that's be- you know you're like John Walters at Iowa State is an actual employee of the university. So I don't know. He, I don't know the contract structure yeah, for yeah, like, the the Husker broadcast I don't, network. I, I don't know what that is either. Yeah, if those guys are actual employees. So I don't, yeah, I, don't, if, I don't know if Greg is an employee of Learfield or if he's like a partial employee of Learfield that still does some or, work for yeah, Nebraska. Or, or Learfield, if you're with Learfield, is that a sub? I mean, how, how do those contracts work out? That I don't know. No. So my question would be, are they truly, is there actually a contractual conflict of interest from a university employee standpoint and you're going and working for NIL and you've got to maintain that separation for NC2A rules purposes? I, I, That's where I'm going yeah, with I don't, all I don't have an answer to that. Because I do think, and I do know to some degree, there, there's got to be a break there. There's got to be a pretty yeah. hard break for NC2A rule purposes that if you're doing the NIL thing, you can't be part of the university. And I think if you're doing the broadcast, my assumption would be maybe Trev stepped in and said, listen, it's it's too close. Yeah, and, and that's a fair point, right? Because And I do believe Matt was an employee of the university, not of Learfield. So that would make perfect sense to why you say, hey, if you're going to run NIL – you cannot which he couldn't i mean i could see it as the you can't do the you can't do the assistant ad thing yeah. that i get i'm just saying from the broadcast thing and and as a learfield guy is that a subcontracted position that's too close to being a true employee of the i i would say it's pretty you, you, it's blurred it's cl- lines it's close enough absolutely it's blurred lines then i get it yeah. then i then i guess it's one of those then i say okay i get it and it's not just Trev cleaning house kind of deal where, hey, you're too much of a Scott Frost guy. We need to clean house of the Scott Frost guys. So, that's kind of where I guess I was going yeah. with this is where I wondered if that's what the deal was. So you may have noticed that we were a day late recording uh, this week. I think we're going to be doing the same thing next week, right? Are we going to be a couple days late next week or not? We're, we're either, either going to, well, we're going to be more than a few. So Okay. All right. We'll talk off the air. We'll talk. Well, he's, <laughs> I'm I'm gonna go watch the Clemson Florida State game. Oh, yeah. So I just didn't know when you got back. I might be gone for a couple of days. Okay. So I'm, we might have to do like I might have to be sitting on a beach. Well, drinking we, a Florida we can craft probably, beer. So there'll probably be no diagnosis next week, and I've already told Steve Swanstrom at, at, at Centris that. However, if you could bring your laptop. Maybe we could do a we could do a Skype 
I can podcast. Do Fry. Yeah. Yeah. Bring your laptop. We can do a Skype, uh, a Skype or a Google Meet type thing, and we could we could. I got to figure that. my laptop out. It's, a piece of quite, it's, it's not that hard. Te- technology eludes me. It's, it's really not that hard. I still use an abacus. It's not that hard. <laughs> Doctor Rob, for for a guy that didn't like apricot beer, he downed four of them tonight. Attaboy. Attaboy. Again, it's it's apricot. Literally, this shit is apricot. <laughs> Download the Betfred Sports app when you want to make your sports wagers online. Betfred Sports available on the Apple and Google Play stores. And when you enter the code promo code DocTalk in Arizona, it Colorado, and says Iowa. It the can here, by the way. Yeah. They fermented it for three hours. Nice. Nice. That means there's no alcohol in there. $20 free bet from Betfred Sports in Arizona, Colorado, and Iowa when you download and set up a brand new account and enter the promo code DOCTALK. Uh, I want to thank uh, Husker Max for distributing this podcast. Always good working with David Max and Joe Hudson over there. Good guys. Um, Scotty Strunk over there at uh, Husker Hounds. Visit one of his two locations in the Omaha area. Go online to huskerhounds.com. And Connor Orr with Orr, Horgan, and Flente. He's our, he's our in-house counsel. He's our, he's our representative. When we need legal advice, we go to Connor. When you need legal advice, you go to Connor Orr as well at ohflaw.com. For Dr. Rob Zadisk, I'm Travis Justice. We will talk to you next week on the Doc Talk Podcast presented by Betfred Sports.